Hey friend, really proud of this Portfolio Care podcast with Chelsea Rustrum. Chelsea started a tech company when she was 14. She's always been at the forefront of technology. She became a leader in the sharing economy. She's traveling and working from all over the world and renting her couch. She then decided to write a book about this and a practical guide for the sharing economy called It's a Shareable Life. She's now a thought leader and global speaker in the blockchain sector as well. In addition to her blockchain marketing agency, she is opening up a retreat center in Italy. In this episode, we talk about some key things to build and grow your portfolio career, like how to email people, how to meet new people, how to build a community, and so much more about how she also thinks about her career in integration. Please check out rustrum.com to learn more about Chelsea. Also, if you like this podcast, please feel free to subscribe to my frequent podcast wherever you listen to them. And also, feel free to subscribe to my monthly newsletter at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career here with Chelsea. Cool. Uh, welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinski, is here with Chelsea Rushstrom. How's it going, Chelsea? Amazing. Great, great. So, Chelsea... Happy Monday. <laughs> exactly. So, if Monday night, if we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Chelsea. And then, if people ask, what brought you out here, Chelsea, what do you typically say? I guess I would I would respond to the context of that specific conversation, but I think I do so many things that it's hard to it's hard to like we were talking about before, it's hard to encapsulate that into a few sentences that people can immediately digest. And or it sounds like I'm scattered potentially if I tell the whole spectrum of I have an agency and I run a social series and an educational series and then I also have a space in Italy. It sounds like I don't know. I think I think it can sound a little like scattered or not focused, but all of the areas that I work on are all interrelated. So it takes a deeper conversation and a deeper um, dive to really get to like the whys behind all of that and how they're all interconnected. I would say it would take like a good 20 minute conversation. So if I feel like that's the conversation that wants to happen, then 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 I'll have that conversation. But often people just want to very quick, like, are you relevant to me? And so I get really turned off by that. In fact, I wrote a post titled 49 questions to ask instead of what do you do? (laughs) And I try to be authentic in the way that I relate. And uh, even if I'm at a networking event, I kind of just go and see who's there and like what energy resonates and who I can potentially make friends with or do business with in the future. But I'm not looking for an immediate hit or an immediate win. I'm looking for, and I guess I'm just like curious and I follow the flow. That's a thing I've been doing for a long time. And it's, it's been highly rewarding and a lot less stressful than being singularly goal-oriented. I won't say that I'm not goal-oriented, but not in the same way as I was when I was 25. So following the flow. And then there's also a common theme. You said they're all kind of interrelated. What is the common theme? So... Once I started following this flow that I'm talking about, I started making decisions more from a heart-centric place and also from less of like logically, like I need to have this on my, this on my resume and this is good for, you know, when you're, when you're 25, everyone tells you that 
you know, do what's good for your resume, stay at a job for at least a year, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my framework back then. And eventually my framework became do what gives me joy and feels like purposeful and meaningful in the world. And so, you know, I guess around the time I was 27, I started um, experimenting really early with the sharing economy and started having random people stand my couch. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up working on a documentary. I mean, meanwhile, I had an internet company that was doing pretty well and a free stuff and couponing website that I started when I was actually 14 or 15. That's a whole other story. That's probably what got me to this whole framework of, you know, sort of live and work from anywhere and like being ahead from a digital standpoint, like understanding technology wise, what's going to happen next and being an early adopter and someone that translates that to the general public in the business community. So yeah, I started with just experimenting with the sharing economy and playing with that. And then eventually being a subject of a film titled uh, One Couch at a Time, which is all about the, you know, about couch surfing and whatnot and the sharing economy. And then I wrote a book on the subject titled It's a Shareable Life. And then concurrent to that, I was very curious about all the things that were happening. So I created a social and educational series to cover all of these things that were happening. And then I had about 60 events in a couple of years, many of them that had a couple hundred people at them. So these conversations were centered around value and what is it and how might we, you know, distribute it or, or what is the sharing economy and what are peer to peer networks and where is all of this going and, or what happened to the sharing economy and how did this become so, so messed up and how did labor become exploited and humans become exploited in this process. And so eventually that led into thinking through you know, right after I published my book, I was, you know, I wasn't excited about promoting the book because I felt like the the ideals that I had originally stood for no longer existed. So I started looking at structural and business models as a way to promote sharing in the world. And I started asking a different question and looking at things like equity crowdfunding and the platform cooperative movement, which is the cooperative business model in the digital environment and looking at, you know, all sorts of different things. And then like basically jumping the work that I did from the sharing economy into the general business world of how do we create, you know, more mindful companies that align all stakeholders. And then eventually that led to blockchain, <laughs> you know, and, and blockchain enables a lot of these things. So you know, then I, I sort of parlayed my work in the sharing economy to blockchain because the sharing economy community wasn't quite ready to move over into, you know, the new, the new world of blockchain, at least that readily. So, yeah. And then on top of all that, I've had a couple of other streams of things that that leads me to Italy, <laughs> where I have a new economy retreat center and a place where people can come and, you know, create emergent technology seminars and sessions and interpersonal things and yoga and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's how I would say it's all interrelated. And yeah, like I said, that's a, that's a hard mouthful to say in a, in a quick, like, so what do you do? Well, lots of things. (laughs) So many exciting things. And uh, it sounds like, trust and relationships have always been a key theme of that. And what kind of advice do you have for people that 
you know, in addition to going to an event and not really having an agenda, but what types of advice do you have for people or examples of ways to build trust and relationships as people are kind of always continuing their, their career and um, their development? Well, learn how to write a good email from David. <laughs> He's going to write that post and put it out into the world because writing a really good email as a follow-up is a very important skill to have. And I feel like a lot of people fail at this. So they make maybe an okay impression in person, which is good. Actually, let's start there. I think when you meet people and they feel like you have too much of an agenda, they get turned off. If they feel like you don't have an agenda at all, they also can get turned off depending on what type of person they are. So being really specific about what it is that you're working on and maybe ways that and reasons why you'd want to connect in person is really good. And I, I, to be honest, like I do that very rarely. When I do it, I do it very meaningfully and very pointedly. I say, you know, really great meeting you, really want to follow up. Here's what I want to follow up on. You know, can I have your card? And if they say no, then I'll get their LinkedIn or, you know, send an email right then and there. But then the follow-up is really important. I think that an email is like very succinct and takes their time into consideration and the mutual benefit. Like if you're not looking at mutuality and you're just asking to pick someone's brain, it's really, first of all, very, very poor form. <laughs> Lots of people do it, but it's very, very poor form. And it's asking for someone to do free work for you without really, you know, being considerate at all. Like, it's just don't ever send that email. Don't ever say that. <laughs> I got one of those the other day. I was like, no, no, definitely not. Did I answer your question? I feel like I cut around it a little bit. Yeah. So, so mutuality. So maybe could you maybe speak to like maybe how could that email be a little bit better or what is a way to start to develop relationships when you meet people at events and kind of... I mean, so the ways that I did it were I had ways for people to plug in and be leaders or thought leaders um, and for me to be able to connect with people that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise be, been able to connect with. Like writing a book is a perfect example or even if you're writing a post that sounds really intriguing and interesting or I had all of these events, you know, that I said, you know, were well attended like asking people to be a part of those is in some cases quite an honor, especially if you've already built something around it. So it's about building momentum and, you know, something that other people can plug into that they feel like they want to be a part of. And often those things are not things that are profit generating. So, I mean, at least in my case, that's the way that I've done it. I'm not saying that you can't do it in a profit generating way, but relationships are relationship based. It's a completely different context than just doing business. So specifically as far as how to write an email, I mean, you put like, what did you put like little like animated gifts in your email? <laughs> <laughs> like photos and cool stuff and highlighting text. I mean, I mean, just put thought into it, but be succinct and short and to the point and find mutuality. Like, I think that's, that's enough. Like I reached out to someone just last week that you know, is like pretty well known in a specific area. And I was very succinct and it was a very cold outreach. And he was immediately like, yeah, let's do a meeting this week. So there is an art to writing an email and it is very important to master. Hmm. That That's really interesting that even with the level of success and accomplishments that you've had, that you're still cold emailing people to uh, continue to develop new relationships and stuff. That's a uh, I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, generally I don't do that, but this particular person was in Europe and I'm working on a new endeavor that's not necessarily completely related to all of my other work. 
And I probably could have had somebody else introduce us, but I felt like it was like a good enough reason that a cold outreach made sense. Cool. Yeah. And and then you mentioned earlier there's four or five, maybe six projects. How do you how do you evaluate new projects? I would say more like two. I have an agency and I have a new economy retreat center in Italy. And I have a community on top of, yeah, I guess I have, there's, there's a lot of things going on, but those are the two that I'm focused on from an economic and business perspective. Mm-hmm. I work a lot. <laughs> and then I also play a lot. Yeah. But how do you decide how to pick new projects? Think about taking breaks, decide on, you know what, feeling a little bit maybe burned out or, you know, let me, let me go with this experiment a little bit. Like, how do you, do you have a framework or anything of, Let's see where this goes and then evaluate anything like that, Chelsea. Mm, I'm trying to use more frameworks like that. I mean, I definitely have a morning ritual. And I also, I also like, I like the thing that I heard at a Tony Robbins seminar a long time ago. He's really cheesy, I know, but he said something to the effect of um, balance isn't in one day or in one week. You can consider it in a month or even a year. So for me, it's a matter of like, what's up? Like last year, Blockchain was raging. I was working 14 hours a day and I wasn't socializing very much. I was working really, really hard and things were going great on that end. And that was my main focus in addition to Blockchain for Good, which is the social and educational series I mentioned earlier. Now, still that's going good, but it's slower because it's crypto winter. (laughs) And um, so I'm focused on the space in Italy, you know, that's become more into the frame and more something like it's a long-term project and I'm really excited about that. But yeah, sometimes I work really, really hard and other times there's more time and space and, you know, I reorganize my life or do something else or go on a fun trip. But for the most part, hmm, yeah, for the most part, I, I kind of follow what's going on or the goals that I've set for myself for that particular year. Okay. And you've also, but let me, let me, let me say one more thing about that. Last year, I definitely got like a bit out of balance and felt like I wasn't socializing enough and wasn't like in my heart enough and wasn't spending enough time just like recentering. So I don't think that I would do that again in the same way, but I do think that balance is an interesting thing to think about in a longer, in a longer context than just like a singular day. Like you have to have your workout and you have to have your shake and you have to have your meditation time and you have to have your work time and everything has to be perfect all in that same package of the day. Okay. I don't agree with that. <laughs> you found what works. <laughs> what works for you doesn't always maybe work for everyone else. Oh, definitely. Okay. And you mentioned also like blog posts and, and writing and you've been kind of a long time writer. Where do a lot of like your ideas um, come from and how do you kind of overcome maybe some resistance or or kind of pressure with posting i think some people kind of get concerned and scared about kind of publishing oh definitely oh yeah i get scared every time still so i write in my sleep a lot (laughs) i i um i spend i wake up to the light sun comes up you know pretty early in the morning and i spend a good like hour waking up slowly and in an in-between state And actually, that's where a lot of my, I feel like, have-tos or must-write-this comes from or, like, my ability to finish something that I feel kind of stuck on, kind of wait for that clarity to come. 
what was the what was the ending part of that question? Was how do you kind of overcome some? Oh right, yeah. So the more I've written and the more I've put out there and the more I've done in sort of the public sphere, the the more vulnerable I've found myself getting and more of myself I've been finding myself put into my work, um, which has gotten kind of, <laughs> it's gotten increasingly scarier, I guess. Like my, my interpersonal posts and my business posts have sort of collided. They've become one of the same because a lot of the feedback I've gotten on my work is, you know, when I put it in front of people is like, you sound kind of preachy, like maybe you should like put some of yourself into this. And like, why are you writing this? Why do you care about this? Like get people invested and um, enrolled before you, you know, splash something in their face about the economy or something else. So I've, um, I've started doing that. And every time I do that, it's a little bit more of myself and a little bit like it feels really vulnerable and scary to press, you know, publish. And like my questions in my head are always like, well, what if no one likes it? Or like, what if like this is too much information or am I oversharing or, you know, um, what if no one, I don't know. There's just so many, you know, you just, you just have to do it. I don't know. I just, I just have to do it. Like I just have to just do it anyway and walk away from it and maybe do something else for the rest of the day until I come back and see what's happened with it. So I would say just that I feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I want to hear a little bit more about some of the stuff that you're currently working on, but as you kind of look back at, you know, different projects and different kind of moments throughout your, you know, your career and your journey, is there anything that really stands out to you as key moments or, or kind of lessons learned? Mm. I mean, I would say my key moment was realizing at like 25, 26, that I looked around my life. I was living, you know, I was living, I was living in a great city, actually. I just, where I was living and how I was living and who I was living with and the way that I was trying to like knock down goalposts, like constantly sort of without putting my soul into it or really feeling through it for myself instead of what society expected of me and what I thought was like the definition of success. Yeah. When I, when I stopped doing that, my whole life completely, completely changed, you know, my location changed, the relationship changed, like I moved. So <laughs> I started working on sharing economy stuff and doing things I didn't know how to do and writing a book and all of these things. So I would say, you know, I think college teaches us to knock down goal posts. And once you get beyond that, like thinking, like imagining your life and designing around that is a lot more powerful than fitting into the systems that we're sort of born into. And I'll also say that's not easy. It's really hard. Like, it requires an active creative mind and a lot of patience and dedication to, to that idea. And frankly, a way to support yourself. <laughs> on, on designing your life that it, it, it takes time and it takes creativity. You have, you, have, you have to have some way to support yourself. You can't just be like, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going to be a life coach. I mean, you can, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, but if you don't have any clients yet and you know, <laughs> and you don't really know what your next steps are, that's probably not the smartest move in the world. Like, I think figuring out while you have income ways to make other income or to think about designing your life and move toward that 
is a lot smarter than just like quitting a job willy nilly and trying to like fly on the way down. I mean, I've made that mistake a few. I mean, I definitely made that mistake. Actually, more like I blew all my money on travel and then it's like, what do I do now? <laughs> and then how did you? That was a long time ago, though. <laughs> you know, if that was to happen again, how would you pick yourself back up again? You know, is there a key thing that you say, no matter what, I can find work this way or yeah, like that, maybe that's a good thing is how do you typically kind of find new work? It's a good question. So as I mentioned, I started a website when I was 14 and sort of accidentally started making money by the time I was 17 through affiliate programs and various things and like the couponing and free product sample industry. So I always had technical skills. And I always knew ways to make money and like kind of my way around the early internet, which gives me insight into how to make money, I guess. And I've used that in all different ways. Like um, at one point when I was in college, I, I was, you know, struggling to pay all my bills in college. And I, um, I started working on my website again, cause like I let the whole thing go. That's a whole other story. But I also started working with entrepreneurs and helping them with their companies and with SEO and their strategy and things like that. And then that motivated me to look at my own stuff and go like, I should be doing this for myself. And by the time I graduated from college, I was like making two incomes when I had a job. So I think, I think having skills, like having a particular skill that, you know, you can always sort of return to is good. And for me, it was building websites or understanding how the internet works. <laughs> I know it sounds really broad, but it's helpful in a lot of different ways. And it's helped me all along um, in all of my various endeavors of community building and writing a book and all the things. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. So you knew that websites and understanding how businesses work is there, and you also mentioned earlier about being kind of on the front end of emerging technologies. Is there any maybe like key skills or, you know, new ways that you think that people could, you know, develop into to potentially have a bit more valuable skill down the road? Hmm. Give me an example. So maybe let's say like blockchain sector or sharing economy or the way business models may be changing. Is there something that if people were to start to develop a better understanding of the way those businesses work or how those sectors work that could be more valuable compared to? Mm. I think for me, one of my better skills is just being really curious and wanting to understand how things work and how they tick like very early on. And in early and emergent technologies and industries, people are very willing to talk and they have more time and they have more open availability. So for me, it was always about getting hold of the people that I thought, you know, were leading the things that I was most interested in and sitting down and having conversations with them and including them in my work. And like I said, finding those mutuality intersections. So yeah, being curious has led me a lot of interesting places. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then Chelsea, is there any other projects or anything else that you'd like to talk about here? I know we talked about Italy just a little bit, but is there anything else that you think about your career and any other new new initiatives or things that you're thinking about that you'd like to mention here? I guess I don't like I don't identify with the word career. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just think of it as my life. Like what do I want my life to look like and what kind of people do I want to work with? What values and value sets of those people do I want to work within? And and just finding that. And also, yeah, it's it's to me, it's all like one big soup. 
like, yeah, I sit at home in my, you know, and I work from co-working spaces and whatnot. And I work most days, you know, an average, like probably six to eight hours, like most people. But I still think of it as just, how do I, yeah, how do I want to, how do I want to live? Career just sounds like, I don't know, maybe I'm one of those people that just thinks that sounds imprisoning. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm an entrepreneur. Design it the way you want, you know, and you mentioned values. And so that's what, that's something that you look for in the people. And then, and then you kind of go from there. I'm trying to see ways that you can collaborate and learn with people after there's a shared connection on values. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's just an arc to the type of work that I've been attracted to. And within that specific arena, then yeah, the next thing I look for is values. And I would, I would call it even energy. Like, what is the energy of the person in front of me? And does it like mesh and match with mine? And does it feel good, frankly? Because I think the people that you're going to spend time around and in close proximity to have to feel like in tandem with your own sort of energy. I know that sounds very San Francisco, but it's true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You've always had great energy whenever I've been around you. So same, same. Yeah. Wow. Well, great, Chelsea. If, uh, in, when people want to follow up, what would be the best way that they can um, follow your journey and, and ways to support you? Um, I'm, I have a pretty open uh, Facebook friending policy. So if you send me a message and just say, hey, I saw this through David's podcast, I'm totally down to connect there. Also on LinkedIn and then email is fine too. I'm pretty busy, so it might take me a little bit to respond. David can attest to that. Um <laughs> But looking forward to uh, connecting with people on their journeys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. 